Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 20 of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Holy shit, have we gone into 20 episodes now? That is insane, guys. Uh, I really appreciate you guys sticking around and all the love that you've shown. Uh, me and my family through Break the Cycle has been absolutely amazing. Uh, we love you to death. Uh, you're, you're considered family, every single one of you, but especially my mom, who is always in the chat. You, you all better be nice to my mother who loves the show and loves all you guys and doesn't realize how crazy some of you are. So, uh, But anyways, let's start out with some sponsors. Of course, we have Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. You will not be disappointed in this coffee. I promise you it's delicious. Toplobster.com. Uh, for all your graphic design needs, this man does all my thumbnails, uh, basically in a sweatshop somewhere in New York. He doesn't get paid. He, he gets paid a little bit, but not much. Uh, he's really cool. Give him your money. You can use BTC at checkout, also for a 10% discount, where you can get this really cool Read Mises, uh, Mises Not Mark shirt that he hand drew. This guy hand draws everything. So, so show them some support. And, of course, anthemplanning.com for emergency crisis and uh, um, uh, emergency and crisis planning for your business or home or personal. Um, they are executive producers of the show. Amazing people. We had Amy Lepore on the show recently. Um, definitely check them out. Give them your business. It's something that the government would love to do for you, and they suck at it. So, um, anyways, we got a cool show today, guys. Uh we have a gentleman on who has basically told uh, Governor Bashar in uh, Kentucky to eat his entire ass. And so if you are a fan of me, you know that's one of my favorite quotes. Um, but I do have a little news clip for you guys that I would like you to check out uh, prior to bringing him on. So here it is. I'll shut up. On Friday, when the mandate started, uh, we opened our garage door, a crack. Um, well, more than a crack, pretty high, enough to create the airflow uh, that you see with the outdoor patios and, and, and the outdoor uh, tents and things like that you typically see. And we thought we were a heated patio now because we had just as much airflow as these tented patios do. And today the health department came in on a routine inspection and um, they saw some people sitting and, and drinking their coffee sitting at that table there. Uh, when they came in, they said that I couldn't have people inside. And at that point, I was just like, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to do this. This is ridiculous. And so she called her supervisor. The supervisor came in and said, shut it down. And I said, no. And he left. He's on from the phone for a bit. He came back in and said, you need to close the premises immediately. Uh, we're going to put this closed sign on the door and, um, you know, we're going to have the police come and, and, and get you removed. Well, when talking to him, when he came back in, he said something along the lines that the police aren't forcing it. And he was surprised about that, but we're closed. And I asked him, well, what's that mean? Nobody knows what happens if I continue to operate. And... The worst that can happen is we close, you know, go to jail for a bit. What am I facing now? You know, locked up inside my house with losing my businesses. It's, it's, it's really, they've set me up in a situation where I have more to gain by resisting than I do to comply. 
He is Andrew Cooper Ryder. How you doing today, sir? I'm I'm doing pretty good. Hopefully it was a good news clip. I couldn't hear it. I know so. you can't see it. You <laughs> yeah. can't even see Probably it. Probably know it was a dog food commercial. And then you're like, here's this dirt. <laughs> no, it's definitely your news clip where you were basically saying that the uh the they've incentivized you to stay open by threatening you with jail and in your business being closed if you don't. I mean, regardless, you know what I mean? And right. so um it was a cool news clip. It got me pretty hyped. I, you know, I, I feel the same way. Uh, it definitely uh, in my everyday life and my constant war on Twitter with the blue checks and telling them to eat my ass. But uh, yeah, man, what's going on, dude? How's Brood doing? I mean, you know, Brood's doing okay. We've got uh, it's it's doing better in, in revenues, but we have a Thursday ABC hearing coming up. Uh, uh, that would be here in two days. And so, you know, tomorrow I'm going into prep for that because um, I have to – I'm taking the stand there um, as well as there's going to be some COVID experts that come on and say I killed grandma. And uh, we're, we're going to see how that plays out. It might, I don't know. Who knows how that goes, right? It's over Zoom, so I'm going to live stream it on our Facebook page. I think that will be fun. Do you guys just have like a ton, ton of wrongful death suits uh, planted on you from all the people <laughs> who died from getting their coffee there or what? No, funny enough, they can't prove a single person died from getting their coffee there. Shocking, shocking. I know. So so what's happening there? So, um, And this goes into a, a lot of different things about how they're controlling these businesses. And, you know, we can break that down. But basically, I have never been convicted of a crime. I have never been charged with a misdemeanor. However, they believe, the ABC board of the state believes that I... Andrew Cooperwriter, this is what they believe. I'm not saying I, I believe it. Um, committed a misdemeanor by not following the governor's orders and creating my premises to become disorderly. And therefore, they are taking away my uh, ABC license for committing a misdemeanor, even though I have not been convicted by a trial, you know, a jury at all. So they can just decide. You don't get your license anymore. Have an administrative hearing with one judge, and you know, it, it, it they can just take it away from you. Hasn't hasn't uh, the edicts of of uh, God Supreme uh, Andy been deemed like unconstitutional in the state of Kentucky? Man, right? it is stupid weird right now, in Kentucky. Okay, so this is this is what's going on, right? This is so strange. Okay, so the legislator passed three bills, three major bills right off the bat, HB1, SB1, and SB2. Those bills basically said that um, a state of emergency couldn't exist past 30 days without calling the legislator into session for them to vote on whether or not the state of emergency exists. You know, this is important. I mean, the Tennessee governor just literally said, no, COVID's not an emergency anymore. Stop declaring a state of emergency and stopped allowing people to, these counties, to enforce mask mandates. Like, that just happened yesterday, right? So they're saying, hey, you know, you can't just sit there and declare a state of emergency for perpetuity. You need to call us into session and we get to vote on it. And then um, there was something in the statute that said, in the emergency power statute that said the governor can suspend laws in case of emergency. Not the Constitution, of course, but laws. And so they took that power away from him and said he has to confirm it with the AG. So the AG and him have to agree to suspend the law during a state of emergency. And, you know, there's some other stuff in there, right? Basically, um, so they passed this law, and he vetoed it, and then they overcame the veto. 
And then he went to Franklin Circuit Court, which is the county the state capital is in, in front of this judge, Judge Shepard, and said, um, I don't like these laws. I want to injunctify them, listing the AG and the legislators as the parties. Now, this is super weird, right? So for those people who are at all legal scholars, what should happen is they pass this. Bashir chooses to ignore it or follow it. If he ignores it and keeps like enforcing, trying to enforce, then the courts or um, if, if he tries to take somebody to court, the courts would rule on it or the attorney general would come in and sue him saying, no, you can't be doing that. And he'd be saying, and he would then be arguing that the laws are unconstitutional. So he's stating that these laws are unconstitutional. But instead, you have a governor that has now gone to the courts and said, these laws can't become laws because I think they're unconstitutional. And he went to one judge that's elected in Franklin County. Um, and judges' elections are really weird, and we can go into that too. But anyways, and that one judge has injunctified the law from becoming a law. So to, to, so to put this in perspective, at the federal level, pretend the House and Senate pass a law, president vetoes it, they pass it again, and then president goes to court and says, stay that law from becoming a law. We're going to litigate it for the next six months. And it doesn't get to become a law. And so there was a legal theory put out there by the AG, by my attorney, by others, that said that, well, the governor can't be doing this because the way lawsuits work is it's against the listed party. And what's weird is how do you what, – what are you doing with the legislators and the AG when you tell them they can't – when you're injunctifying a law with the listed parties as the AG or the legislator? They don't do anything after the law is passed. The governor is the one who enforces the laws. So – the way it, because it's so weird, the way it's read and understood, and, and, and a couple of judges have agreed with us in a couple other cases, is that the only people who are held in party to that suit are the legislators or the attorney general, which is also weird because legislators typically have legislative immunity, which says you can't sue legislators for passing laws. Um, but yet, uh, this judge, Judge Shepard, has decided that there is a pandemic exemption to legislative immunity. Um, and at one point, the governor was threatening to throw the legislators in jail for contempt of court. Uh, what a fucking <laughs> this tyrant. Is, yeah, this is crazy shit. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I want, so, I want legislators thrown in jail too, but not for this, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I mean, not for, not for this. And so he goes to, um, so we get a ruling on, not we, but somebody gets a ruling, another restaurant gets a ruling in Scott County from that judge saying, no, you guys are exactly right. You're not parties to that suit. These mandates are not legal. They're not okay. Um, and, and you can't – now, that suit said you can only not enforce against these restaurants. But there's another suit up in Boone County, which is northern Kentucky area, that is the same suit, same argument, another constitutionalist judge, um, and it's filed for class action status. So if the class action status gets granted at the same time the decision's made, it would make it to where – the governor cannot enforce against all these restaurants and everything else. That is if the Supreme Court doesn't pick it up because it picked up the other two and it overturned the Scott County's appeal. It was appealed and then it was overturned. So now they can still enforce against those restaurants, but it's really unclear. Because um, I was talking to the owner of that restaurant the other day and he's like, I, I don't know what the rules are for us. <laughs> and so, um, but you had the Boone County Court case, which they did not pick up in that case, which is kind of weird. But long story short, so he passes those three laws. So then the legislators say, okay, well, you know, we're going to pass House Joint Resolution 77, which lists what um, 
emergency orders are still effective and which ones aren't. And, you know, things like restaurant ban, capacities, masks, things like that were not in the list. And what's funny is, is that House Joint Resolution 77 was passed based upon a bill that uh, called SB 150 from 2020, which the governor used in his arguments to in, in Bashir v. Acre, uh, as to why he can be making all these mandates. So he ran, though, back to that same Judge Shepard, got House Joint Resolution 77 also enjoined. And, and then, to top it off, they passed a budget. And in the budget that starts July 1st, they say you cannot spend any government money on enforcing your COVID mandates. And that starts July 1st, right? He also now has gone to the courts and, and has filed for that to be injunctified. That is a budget, okay? Like, that is, like, for, for you government people, you know that, like, the legislature is supposed to have the ultimate check of the power of the purse strings outside of impeachment. Um, and, and you don't have co-equal branches. The legislators are far supposed to be. The legislative branch is supposed to be far more powerful than the other two branches. That's the way it's supposed to be. They can impeach people in other branches. They can dictate their budgets, you know, things like that, right? Sure. And so um, he's now attempting to injunctify a state budget. And we're in a kind of a constitutional crisis here in Kentucky sure. because – the question becomes, and this is what we talked about, there's a legal theory that's chosen, that has proven to be true in some regards that, like, for example, um, if a restaurant was not following the mandates and they came in and tried to enforce against them and they took it all the way to court, it would be found that, nope, they're fine, you cannot enforce against them, right? But the question becomes, if a law is passed, but the executive chooses to ignore the fact that the law is passed... And so they just start enforcing it anyways. Did the law ever even become passed? Right. And so that's where Kentucky is in, a, in this weird state of mandates. Technically, there's there's good legal theories that say the mandates shouldn't happen. Um, and they're not legal, but they're legal theories. And you run a risk as being a restaurant. If you go to court, you lose your license. And so most people are just complying because they don't want to lose their license. And I, I can't fault them for that. Sure. Sure. No, yeah, I understand. It's it's so bizarre to me because I know Kentucky the the Kentucky House is like seventy seven percent Republican. Yeah, yeah. It's seventy five out of hundred house reps are Republican and thirty out of or thirty two thirty out of thirty six state senators are Republican. So like the Democrats can't even stop a supermajority in Kentucky. No, no, they can't. And also too, we only need a constitutional um majority to overcome veto so we only need 51 votes right to on a on to overcome a veto um so you know what you end up with is is yeah but then you have of course a bunch of republicans because kentucky has been democrat for a long time a lot of people don't realize that uh kentucky's only had three republican governors in its entire history right um i believe up until bush it voted democrat like for the president sure um and even then the Republicans didn't grab control of the state legislator until, I believe, like six years ago. You guys have spent way too much time close to Ohio, man. Four years ago, something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So, so I mean, you're you're still open and operating. Yeah, I'm still open and operating. And have they pulled your – they haven't pulled your liquor license or anything? Which, uh, by well, the way, for fine. people that don't know, he serves coffee and beer. And beer. Uh -huh. That's right. That's right. I get you in the morning. I get you at night. 
whenever whenever you're there. It's really smart. I mean, it's really smart. It is. I mean, if you think it about is, it, it's a right? great business model. You got coffee in the morning, and when you're on your way home from work, you got beer. It's great. Right, right. And also, too, where we opened super early, we used to get, like, third shifters that'd come in and drink beer, like, at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, you know, we're the only place that went to get beer at 6, 7 a.m. Um, but, yeah, no, we're still open and operating. So, basically, what happened was, so we stayed open. They came in. They pulled our licenses, both of them, um, liquor and food. And then we went to court, and the judge ruled that we could not serve or prepare food. But at the time, the way the mandates were wrote, event venues could still have a capacity of 25. So we were like, listen, we're an event venue. And so we turned into an event venue. And then for whatever reason, food trucks just started showing up outside and serving food. <laughs> you could come inside and eat it. We just couldn't serve and prepare. That's what the judge's order said. So we didn't. Now, those food trucks, though, they're half smart, right? So they showed up. They were smart enough to, like, you know, want to buy our equipment from us for the day, rent it from the day. So, you know, we let them do that. They even hired on our staff for the day to to make coffee but you know they didn't think far enough ahead to actually buy cups so we would sell cups and then they just gave away free coffee and it was really weird how that worked <laughs> so so you're you're actually like in a uh twitter beef right now legitimately i'm in a twitter beef right with right, the right. governor so, right yeah so kind of so kind of to explain that you gotta know what happened so <laughs> um the health department called up my lawyer as i was doing the food truck thing and was like can you can he stop <laughs> And I was like, nah. <laughs> and the governor kept getting questions asked at press conferences where they're like, why are people still eating inside brood? And he's like, listen, they think they found a legal loophole. We'll see what happens with the liabilities. <laughs> That's what he said. And um, what ended up happening was the health department was like, went to the judge. The judge was like, no, nah, nope, doesn't doesn't look like he's in contempt to me. And so they're like, well, how do we get him to stop? And he go, well, he's a restaurant. He can't be operating. My lawyer's like, well, you took away his food license. So by definition, he's not a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and so they ended up giving me back my food license so they um, try to shut in order to again. stop the food truck stuff. Oh my but God. I only took it back like two days before the mandates were supposed to end anyways. Because by me standing up, a thousand other restaurants had come on board and said, so my case went civil and they had to pay a bond to close me. Right. Sure. So it was like. 5,000 for me, but it would be, it could be a hundred thousand for the right restaurant. Right? So a thousand restaurants came on and said, listen, if you don't lift this indoor dining ban and go back to 50%, um, we're all going to open anyways. And we're going to open on this date. And two days before that date on the record highest case count day, the governor announced that he's opening up indoor dining back to 50%. <laughs> and let's keep in mind when he first opened back in spring, he only opened to 33%. So, you know, he, he caved into all the demands because it quickly became they couldn't afford it. So I got my food license back. They tried to hold my liquor license, but my my lawyer filed an emergency order to, for a judge and a jury to hear why I should get my license back. True. And so they immediately just returned my license, actually paid my licensing fees for me too, and gave me back my license, paid my licensing fees um, because they didn't want to have to go under oath Um in front of a judge. They want to do an administrative hearing. So to avoid that, they just gave me back my license for now. But like I said, that hearing's there on Thursday. So, you know, that kicked off me kind of trolling the governor a little bit. I did something like, you know, I was outside the governor's mansion, which is public property, but he lives there. And, you know, I had some of my coffee and a Roman note that was like, you know, no hard feelings, better luck next time. <laughs> Sorry, you suck, right? Put the note in the box and I, you know, Hand delivered the box. And um, 
you, you know, and so we start getting into it a little bit there on on the Facebooks. I keep tagging them and stuff, and you know, getting thousands of of likes and reactions, things like that. Right? You know, I mean, my Facebook is reaching like two hundred fifty thousand a month, which is stupid high numbers for a local coffee shop. Yeah, sure. Um, and so what end up happening is the governor then um, getting getting pissed off. He now keep in mind he'd been eating only in. He does not go out anywhere. He went to like Mammoth Cave once, but that was it, right? He only ate in because you know COVID will kill you, right? So he's so worried that that how everybody looks about it. So his first time he ever goes into a place and takes a picture to promote a business is a coffee shop, <laughs> and I go, well, 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 real funny, you know. And I kind of I made I didn't point out that he was trying to somehow compete with us. I just made a joke about it. Well, like a week later, he goes into um, this place called Coffee Tree in Frankfurt, and he takes a picture there with saying like, oh, I got coffee. They're so, and then everything is like, they're so safe in how they serve, you know, and then Coffee Tree makes a post that says, oh, it's great having the governor by. We're safe. We serve great. We're keeping our community safe, unlike some coffee shop in Lexington, hashtag coffee brewers against brood. <laughs> And I'm like, so I turn around. I wasn't going to say anything about his visit there. I was just like, this is weird, but okay. Maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe it's not about me. So I turn around and I comment back to Coffee Tree being like, oh, okay. Now you've thrown down the gauntlet. Let's have a coffee off. So I challenged him to a straight black coffee taste off with 11 judges. I said even one of the, the governor could even be one of the judges. Um, and what's funny is, is they were getting ratioed so badly. They turned off their commenting on that post. They then were going through and deleting comments faster, like as fast as they could. They got like a whole mess of bad, bad <laughs> reviews on them too, as well. It was like it did not work out well for them. Well, you know, I think well that's okay, a little strange. Well, like a week ago, for the first time ever, I grabbed a screen grab off of the first lady Brittany Bashir's Facebook page, and. I, I like she said something like we've been leaving through COVID with love. And I'm like, oh, love is a skyrocketing overdose rate and people losing their businesses and you not giving two craps and our unemployment systems the worst in the country. That love. Right. And no, I'm not kidding you. Like three hours later, she posts on her socials the same picture from two weeks ago of her and the governor getting coffee at that shop in Louisville. It's like two hours later, she posted on her socials. And I'm like, all right, you know, so I screen grabbed that and I'm like, are you getting in on this action or did the governor steal your phone? Like what's going on here, you know? Yeah. And so I went this past week, I was at EKU um, doing a, a Andy Bashir's A Tyrant Changed My Mind. So the prior day, Bashir had gone, uh, had been in, in that same area. And so while I have a post going viral where I'm saying Andy Bashir's A Tyrant Changed My Mind, he then makes a post where he went to Purdy's Coffee in Richmond, <laughs> Kentucky, which is where EKU is, and how they're so great and everything else. Well, people started attacking Purdy's, and, you know, Purdy's are good people, right? And so I called them up. I'm like, I'm sorry. He threw me in the middle. They're like, we know exactly what's going on. Like, this is terrible, and he's, an, he's a jerk. And, they, you know, he threw us in the middle. It's really uncomfortable. So I went out to Purdy's, and I took a photo, and there to be like, hey, they're great, you know, basically to kind of cool the – Liberty people from attacking them and being like, well, I know where I'm not going for coffee. Well, and then today, the lieutenant governor posts a picture of her getting coffee from the same shop in Louisville that they originally were posting they're getting coffee from. 
And so now it's turned into a point where they're all and this and it would be like, well, you know, they take a lot of pictures. No, they don't though. They don't take any pictures at restaurants, out anywhere else. The only businesses they have been promoting for the past like two, three weeks are coffee shops. Yeah. And talking about how safe they are. And so petty. It's so petty. And you go on the comments and it's hundreds of comments of people being like, you know, hashtag I, I stand with brood or you should go to brood oh, <laughs> or, or I've actually see how petty you're being. I've actually seen screenshots of brood on Twitter where it's some like screeching leftist who's pissed off about you too. Like I've seen that, oh, I have you know to. what I mean? Like, or not leftist, but like some Democrat from Kentucky, you know, that's like, right. Like, oh my God, this place boycott it, blah, blah, blah. They're open and not following it the sucks, rules. Right? And, um, I love it too. And they're like, oh, we're going to boycott you. And I'm like, I was going to close anyways. So, right. I mean, if I hadn't stayed open, I wouldn't be here for you to boycott. So, yeah, it's, well, it's strange. So, like, so, like, there's probably a lot of people. Everyone knows that, everyone knows that Andrew Cuomo is an absolute tyrant. Everyone knows that Gavin Newsom's not only a tyrant, but a complete idiot. Probably. Probably uh, Cuomo too. Everyone knows about you know the, whatever her name is in Michigan, in, in uh, Michigan, and they know they're tyrants. But I don't think a lot of people understand just how tyrannical Andy Bashir is. And I've I've been Listen. following him. And here's the thing: the the thing that really pissed me off the most about uh, about King Andy um, was he came out and said uh, until you guys were eighty percent vaccinated, he wasn't right. going to open the state. That right. pisses said, me off. He said until 2.5 million people are vaccinated, which there's only 3 million people above the age of 18 right. in Kentucky. Right. So, yeah, and that's just a backdoor vaccine mandate. That's all it is. Sure. And, you know, we're doing protests about it. We've got, we've on to our third week in a row of doing protests. We're doing a protest Sunday at 2 outside the governor's mansion, you know. And, and you know, it's funny. He did a interview with, like, Associated Press the other day, and they said, what's something you learned about COVID. What, what have you learned? And you think you would have learned like, hey, I should talk to people better because there's all these scandals breaking. I mean, we've got scandals where LRC. So it's going to sound so weird, but um, our unemployment is screwed up in Kentucky really badly, like terrible. And we have like 80,000 pending claims still from a year ago. Um, it's bad. And so the person who was in charge of unemployment at the time, his name's Mac McNamara, uh, he committed suicide like two, three months ago. Okay. It's kind of strange. But his widow, because they didn't want the unemployment debacle being blamed on him, released all these text messages. Well, during the height of the debacle, when, because to put in perspective, we were one of the worst by percentages unemployed states in the country. So in that first couple of months of shutdown, something like 1.4 million Kentuckians filed for unemployment. Keep in mind, I just said only 3 million are above 18, 18. So that's half the adult population filed for unemployment at one time. Yes, it was not designed to deal with that. Well, the, the legislators offered their hundred staff from LRC, which is the legislative research commission. That's like the office workers for the legislators. So they offered a hundred staff to help process claims. These were government workers, that already had computers, office space, everything. They're in Frankfurt. All you got to do, just train them how to process things, and then they'll process them, right? And at the time, they, they said no. The governor was like, or I guess, well, they said, no, we can't onboard them. We can't use them and everything else. Well, in these text messages, it came out that McNamara wanted that 100. It would have helped. But because Bashir didn't want to work with the Republicans, he didn't take those 100 staff. So he let the, the over a million people 
waiting for their unemployment claims to be processed, that were laid off because of his edicts, languish in the unemployment system longer or haven't fulfilled their requests at all than they needed to, all because he didn't want to work with the Republicans. Jesus. And it's it's and so right now here in Kentucky, as they talk about these places, I mean, we're not as bad as some of these other areas, but we still have uh, a curfew. Can't serve a beer or food past midnight. Um, that's when the co- that's when the COVID comes out. Is it? Midnight? It comes out at night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mass mandate, of course, uh, though he did just graciously raise um, mass mandate for outside events under a thousand people. Well, that's because which that's, that's because, uh, you know, the, the Fauci had. Uh, decided that he was gonna, he he was gonna follow some science for once, you know? right? Right. Be like, oh yes, you know. But then he uh, he, what's confusing about it is, is most of us had no clue there was an outside. <laughs> of course, I'm sure. My, everyone's like, what? We had a mass mandate, um, and then he had an outside mass mandate. Um, he's still got a capacity and six foot restriction for restaurants, but what's weird is the schools are cut down to three feet. But restaurants, yeah, kids are still at kids, six feet. Kids can't spit as far, so no, no, yeah. they can't. That's how it works. Know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he also has, um, you know, a bunch of other capacity restrictions. Like I said, it's just, it's just kind of ridiculous. And and to put that in perspective, you know, let's keep in mind, I'm not alone. I think last time I looked, there was like eighty something bars with their licenses and process get taken away because of ignoring his COVID mandates. Those are people's businesses just being taken away. Sure. Um, over this stuff. So no, it's important. And so he came out and he's like, listen, I'll lift these mandates if you get to two point five million vaccinated. And we're like, that's a vaccine mandate. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, that's not a vaccine mandate. I go, listen, if ten of you guys are locked in a room and they say seventy of y'all gotta get vaccinated or you can't come out. That's a vaccine mandate. Yeah, he didn't specifically say you have to be vaccinated. Sure. But that's a vaccine mandate no matter how you cut it. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And that's, you know, that's what I keep trying to explain to some of these uh, private property libertarians, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm a private property libertarian too. I am. Right. But when when a a uh, uh, federal or or even a, a state uh, lawmaker says if you want to open your business, you have to require vaccine passports. And right. then that business does that. It's not of their own free will. That's a that's a no, mandate. No, not at all. I mean, yeah. and not only is that a mandate. I mean, listen. So I put up a video where the other day he said he was on the call with hundreds of thousands of, of, or or not hundreds business owners that represented hundreds of thousands of employees, and he was encouraging them to incentivize people to get vaccinated. And he goes, because they understand how disruptive COVID can be. And which I I hope you know COVID wasn't that disruptive. Your mandates were disruptive. But what's that implied threat there? I mean, you know, hey, if you all don't get vaccinated, it's not like he could close you guys, right? I mean, you, you know, like like what happens if they don't get vaccinated? It's not like he could declare a state of emergency or there's already one declared and he can just be like, you have to close, you have to close, you stay open, you're cool, F you, you're closed, right? Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down 
down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Because that's literally what he did for the last year. That's what he's been doing. You're okay. You can open like almost individually, you know? Sure. And so, yeah, no, that's not private business, right? And also to try to convince me that something like an airport is a private business, you're going to fail. I mean, all but one airport is owned by government. Uh, our road fund dollars go towards repaving the tarmacs at those airports. The airlines have been bailed out. I don't even know how many times. Like, prove to me they're not they're they're a quasi private government entity. Clearly, and, and you can't convince me otherwise. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you and a couple people have actually taken this a little further and uh, filed a petition to have the governor impeach. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so here in Kentucky, we don't have a recall. We have what's called a, a citizens can file for impeachment. So myself and uh, three others and then one withdrew. So it was uh, myself and two others filed for the governor to be impeached. So we like filed our own articles of impeachment. So to give you some idea of what's in these articles, let's take like Easter last year. He wanted to arrest and prosecute churchgoers. <laughs> Like literally, like arrest. I remember that. Prosecution on his yeah. cars, on their cars, and and the only reason why he didn't get a chance to is because uh, somebody took him to court and put a um, actually my attorney took him to court and and justified him from being able to prosecute people for going to church. So you know, but we live in a country where you know I never thought I'd live in the America where that's something you had to go to court for. I figured it was just kind of assumed you can't arrest people for going to church, right? But what was concerning about that instance was that the there was communications between KSP and the governor's office and our treasurer, Allison Ball, kind of did an investigation into it and found that not only – so there's something in, in, in government where you can have good faith breaking of the Constitution, right? So – and this will become important later on as we talk about what happened to it. But for an example, our last governor um, had a budget that was passed that he had to spend like – a hundred million on teachers' pensions, and he said, "Nope, I'm only spending ninety million." And so the AG at the time, which is funny enough, is our current governor, took him to court and sued him, and 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 the courts found that it was unconstitutional for him to not spend the full hundred million, um, because you have to constitutionally spend your full budget. I, I guess government can't save money. I don't know, but anyways, um. And so, you know, he was found to be in violation of the Constitution. So that's what's called a good faith violation, right? So, like, he didn't know. It hadn't been litigated before or anything else. The problem with this particular case is the communications through KSP and his office and everything else, uh, they said things like, this is quite clearly a First Amendment rights violation, so we need to be careful about how we enforce it. So they were knowingly breaking the First Amendment, sure. and they admitted to it. Um, and so that's super concerning. He also banned protests, <laughs> And then allowed BLM to protest. <laughs> but then when somebody was protesting mandates, he said, no, 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 no. We have a mandate saying you can't do that. Shocking. I know, right? Um, and then he said, no, no, I've got this here uh, free speech zone that's over in this parking garage. Because nothing screams freedom of speech like free speech zones, um, which is a thing on college campuses, too. Shout out to uh, Kevin Shaw for actually yeah. suing the California right. state uh, college system and winning in that in that exact kind of case though so right right no it, that's uh that's a those are ridiculous but he set up a free speech zone 
Um, he went to fed- we took him to federal court for that. He lost. He <laughs> um, banned uh, parochial schools, so religious schools. Um, and for six days, he's in violation of the um, Diocese v. Cuomo case that the Supreme Court heard that said, nope, you can't close religious schools. Um, but so he was in violation of that for six days. Uh, at one point, you know, there's just constant things, right? He, he illegally pulled out $700 million from the federal government without anybody saying okay. And then in this most recent audit, our auditor discovered that they have literally no idea what happened to that money. Like, like he's like, I, I don't know where it was spent. He's like, I can't find it anywhere. Um, so, you know, you've got that issue. So, you know, you got a lot of issues there. And so we filed for that. Um, you know, he, we filed, he responded, we respond, he responds, right? Um, there's one point where he was telling the impeachment committee to, like, kick rocks. The impeachment committee had to threaten him with contempt in order to get him to actually turn over the stuff they asked for. And then the impeachment committee, because um, the establishment Republican Party of Kentucky decided – they wanted to leave Bashir in because he's good for fundraising because they fundraised a lot in 2020 off of his ass. So they're like, I'm going to leave him in there and leave his tyranny in there. And so they leave him. So they decide not to impeach him. And the reasoning behind it, and, and I'm not kidding you, Josh, was literally, yeah, he broke the Constitution, but so did like all the other governors. <laughs> so like that's literally what they said. They said, the last 10 governors have all broke the Constitution, too. Now, remember what I said our last governor broke the Constitution and not spending $10 million he right. was supposed to, right? That, though, they're comparing to, like, getting arrested for going to church, <laughs> which, I don't know, for some reason, I think the one's good faith and the other one clearly wasn't, especially when you're talking about it. So they choose not to impeach him. But in turn, they decide um, the governor turns in a cost bill and the impeachment committee decides to pass on a... a Bill to us for $42,444. And this was to pay for, like, his attorneys, which are government employees, um, the impeachment committee's attorneys, which half of them were attorneys, so I don't know why they had to hire an outside attorney firm. Um, I, we had to pay for, like, the KSP, Kentucky State Police. That's KSP, by the way. Um, like, providing security for the impeachment committee hearing and all kinds of crazy things. And so they, pa- they passed on this cost bill of 42000 Well... You know, the First Amendment of the Constitution is pretty clear. We have the right to petition our government for redress. What is an impeachment petition but a petition of our government for redress? I believe I've been wronged by the governor. I'm petitioning for the right. And so they passed on this $42,000 cost bill. And so then we turned around and filed Cooperider v. Bashir in federal court where we're suing the governor for violating our First Amendment's rights for redress. So somehow while being investigated for his multiple First Amendment rights violations, the governor has managed to violate the impeachment petitioner's First Amendment rights. He just does not respect that thing at all. Not only is he a tyrant, he's also not very smart, it sounds like. He's, it, it's not that he's not very smart. It's that he's, he literally will take it to the edge. Sure. Right? So, like, if he thinks he's losing a, a court case, he'll just, like, he, he did this time and time again in our other cases. So, like, he would, if he think he was losing a case about a mandate, he would just turn around and be like, no, I'm taking back the mandate. So this case doesn't need to go on because I dropped the mandate anyways. And then, you know, he tell all of his followers, it's safe now to do X. True. You know, and, and, you know, and I asked that about all his followers, too. Like, how do you believe literally one man, one man somehow knows better than everyone else? I mean, you got governors all over this country lifting mandates. 
And they're like, nah, Bashir knows better than all of them. I'm like, he's just like a lawyer. Like, how does he know better than all these other governors? Sure. I don't know. Sure. And so when this all when this all started, you were in the Libertarian Party, right? I yeah, I was in the Libertarian Party. And then you kind of had some falling out. What happened there, man? Well, you know, <laughs> things happen. So one is is the Libertarian Party was not exactly very strong about these anti mandates. You know, when the when the few things, and I think, well, you know. You're you're on the LNC, so you know. I don't think the Libertarian Party knows too much what they believe. <laughs> like they kind of believe something, but then you've got this weird spectrum of of beliefs, where you've got entities like I know here in Kentucky, for example. You know, you have Libsox that say they don't want the government doing things. Then like every time the government does something like forgiving college debt, they're all like, "Oh yay!" clapping their hands for it. And I'm sure. like, "Well, hold on, you can be." A libertarian socialist, as long as you don't want government to enforce socialist ideals, but the moment, but you keep clapping every time the government's enforcing socialist ideals. So, I wonder what's going on there. Sure. And then, of course, you know, you have all the weighted ANCAPs that you know are at the other end of that spectrum. And um, you know, I and so I stand up and I get a little bit of support from my local party, not much, not at all. Um, but I got a lot of support coming in from the Liberty Republicans, of course, coming in and showing support. Um, and then that coupled with, you know, there's, there was a lot of situations there. I mean, remember where I said we had the impeachment petition. Well, that guy who left the impeachment petition, he sent in this letter and you can go on LRC site and see it where he was, he, he, I believe our court filings about it. Cause we're actually in our federal court case. We're actually referencing those letters as, as reasons how this, he did such an about face that we're referencing those letters in our court filings as to why the $42,000 is, is a breaking the first amendment, right? It's chilling your first amendment rights. And we're pointing to the fact that he literally turned tail and ran uh, the minute he found out he was, there was going to be a bill. Um, and so that gentleman who, in my opinion, you know, there's one thing to withdraw, but what he did was he sent in a letter that was literally like the governor can, well, his lawyer did whatever you want to call it. But anyways, the governor can break the constitution. Well, wait, wait. I think he was a... if his if his lawyer sent it in, that's a little different. Okay, right? so here's what's weird: his lawyer sends it in, and then he he's claiming like, well, no, my lawyer sent that without my okay, which that's called legal malpractice. Sure. So that lawyer should be sued, was or it a... you should at least fire that lawyer. Well, was it like right? a was it like a private? I mean, was it like a private letter, or was it suppose was it did he? I mean. I, there's a big difference if he told his lawyer it didn't tell his lawyer to send a letter. I mean that would be a little right, right. And so. I agree with you. And I agree with you. And and if he had filed against him for malpractice, I would 100 percent believe that. But that's not what happened. He kept the attorney. He then sent in an official letter to the impeachment committee um, that stated everything he said in that letter. Anyways, that then he signed and notarized. And above that, he's saying I'm signing that these statements above are mine, and I believe them to be true. And he signed and notarized it. So at that point, you didn't drop the attorney, and then you signed and notarized a letter that says the exact same thing. Sure. You know, so I, I don't think – anyway, so – and it's it's such an about-face. And, and keep in mind, you know, basically what the letters were saying was that the governor can break the Constitution and shouldn't be impeached for it, and he's sorry for doing it, and all these other things. And that – gentleman then went on to be voted in as chair for the Kentucky Libertarian Party. 
And so I'm like, you know, here's this party. It's a party of principles, right? But then you have a person who folded in on their principles because they're worried about the repercussions for their actions, um, which, you know, hey, I understand that. I mean, like I said, you could withdraw without sending everything else. But the reason why he sent everything else was because the lawyer wrongly assumed that the governor was the one who got to decide the actual cost bill, and he wasn't. It's the impeachment committee that did that. Sure. And to the point where the governor, even in his cost bill he sent to the impeachment committee, said, I don't want this other guy to be charged that sent me this letter apologizing. Um, and so, you know, it's just such a turn on your principles. And keep in mind, this gentleman, he was in that, he was one of the people that was threatened with prosecution for going to church. He was in that case. And he was one of the people who was threatened with prosecution. And he just completely turned the minute it, he had repercussions for his actions. And then the Libertarian Party of Kentucky votes him in. And I'm like, okay. Um, and it's just, and it just became clear to me, my personal opinion is, is that, you know, just putting an L and R or D next to your name doesn't really matter. It, it matters who you are as a person and a party is only as good as the people in it. And we've seen the Republican party and the Democrats party. Um, you know, I'm more familiar with the Republican party, obviously go far away from their own platforms, what they say they're for, um, because the people in the party don't hold them accountable. And I, I just, with that move, I can't see any evidence that the Libertarian Party would be any different. You know, as I said earlier beforehand, you know, if we had ranked choice voting, you could convince me that's, that's a fix to the system. That might be a golden bullet, right? Where independents have a chance to win. Until independents realistically have a chance to win, um, you know, I just, I don't think a new political party is going to necessarily be the fix. Um, that's just my opinion. Well, you and I are going to disagree there, bud. You oh, yeah. know what I mean? We disagree. Uh, but you I, disagree. Do, okay. so, so I do, you know, I, I, let's argue a little. Just a little okay. bit. Just a little bit. We can argue a little bit. So. All right. Just a little bit. It wasn't doesn't have to, so it, really We don't have to go crazy I can, I can here. Argue. I just want to argue a little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're looking at this impeachment process, right? And knowing that Kentucky has a supermajority of Republicans. Sure. Shouldn't they have been able to just impeach? Sure, absolutely. And so, like, I don't know. To me, that seems like the Republicans are the ones who are really not principled. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I 100% agree with you, right? Yeah. I 100% agree that the Republicans aren't principled. But if the fix is is a new party that is also not principled, <laughs> that's not a fix to me, you know? So I agree. And, and it's kind of – it is a, a unfair um, expectation. But, of course, that's what's going to happen when – you crap on, for lack of a better term, not saying it's wrong, but crap on the other two parties talking about how terrible they are and then say, you know, we're the party of principle, we're awesome, we're amazing, which, you know, and yeah, you're going to have a higher, you're going to have a higher um, standard. You just will, I think. And I think that's fair enough to say that, yeah, the Republicans failed, but libertarians have a higher standard. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I, I've, I've just met so many libertarians around the country, you know, man, I, 40, 40 states I've been to. And I, I, sure. I always I always see the most principled people, at least now, joining the Libertarian Party. It wasn't like that five years ago. Sure. Um, but, you know, especially with the with the uh, the Mises caucus coming in and they've been, you know, who I work with almost exclusively as far as caucuses go. Um, I'm, I'm a member of a couple other caucuses that I like to help out sure. financially. But um, 
No, and, and you know, I think Mises Caucus gets a little bit of a bad rep. Of course, this gentleman in particular was sponsored by the Mises Caucus. Um, so, of course, that plays into it, you know. I know there was some conversation where Michael was aware of this issue. Um, but because they wanted Mises in control, that's kind of who they're pushed, right? But I do think the Mises gets an unfair rap from the outside looking in now. I mean, all these people complaining about, oh, the Mises is just trying to pull in money and everything. Like, yeah, that's what politics is. Yeah, they're just going to pull in money. Yes, that's what a pack does. You know, like, I'm like, hybrid pack. That's, hybrid pack, whatever, found, foundation, whatever you want to call it. Anyways, um, that's what it does, right? And, and so I think that is unfair to sit there and say, you know, like I said, there, people are just upset that Mises, Cox, and the Libertarian Party, I think. Not as much over their views, but more so because they're executing a a to actually change things um, because they are doing it the right way. The problem comes, though, is is the quote unquote right way. Is that the same way all the other political parties have done things forever? And will it fall victim to the same thing? Right. Have libertarians only not let you down because they haven't had enough people in office to let you down? I mean, they've. <laughs> Listen, the, the Libertarian Party has let me down several times for several reasons. I promise you. I promise you. Right. I've been working my ass off for this party for years, okay? I, I know. I, I, sat, know. I sat on the Libertarian National Committee. I'm in my second term. I, uh, you know, I worked at, at a state level. I worked at county level. Every party, uh, every party disappoints me a little bit at some point. Everything I've ever been a part of disappoints me at some level at some point. But, and, uh, that's, and that's I, – I agree with you. And so at that point, it's kind of like, okay – the veneer comes off. You're going to be disappointed by everybody, right? And I just think for me personally, me personally, sure. um, I agree more so with the Republican Party than I do the Libertarian Party. Um, Yikes. I, like what? The platform. What platform? The platform. What part of the platform? Okay, well, first, obviously, is abortion. Okay? okay. I, I, That's fair. I enough. believe government is one of government's few roles, and, and this is where I know I go off of the ANCAP thing. One of government's few roles is contract enforcement. True. Okay. And I believe there's an unspoken contract between a parent and a child that gets more formalized in child laws that say you can't beat a child, you can't do things like that, right? So the minute you accept that, you know, there is a agreement between a parent and a child that a parent will take care of that child, okay, and is responsible for that child. Um, now really it's just a disagreement about when does that contract kick in. And so some people think that abortion's okay. Um, I, I just don't. I mean, I just think that contract kicks in earlier um, than birth because, you know, the same actions that result in birth are the same actions that resulted in the baby in the first place, I guess, right? <laughs> Getting it on, right? Um, so I, I don't know. And that's just kind of – that's one of my things. But the other thing too is and, – and this is something I've heard in the Libertarian Party and from people that are part of leadership is they'll say things like, I believe in a constitution, just not necessarily the U.S. constitution. Um, which, you know, I, I just, I believe in the U S constitution. I want to be very clear. I don't, <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay. But that's, but that's, that's which only because weird, it's, there's a, there's a mechanism in there to change it. If I'll you don't you, like it, you can change it. I'll tell it. you, I'll tell you the, the, I take a very Lysander Spooner approach when it comes to U S constitution. Now, don't get me wrong. If we could roll back all these bullshit laws to, right. to uh, the bill of rights, I'm going to be right. as happy as could be. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but uh, that document has done nothing to limit the federal government. Almost, well, it's, almost it's, nothing. 
in my it's done almost effort. nothing. And so this is the thing where um, it's done nothing to limit the federal government because people are still people, right? And the paper is only as good as people are willing to enforce it. And I think one of the hardest things a lot of people had to accept, and I deal with this all the time, especially like the sovereign citizen crowd um, that I talk to. I, <laughs> and it's like, you know, there was a point during the pandemic where there was a legal question of, is there a, a pandemic clause to the Constitution? That was up for legal debate at one point. Sure. Um, you know, and some could say it definitely is. I mean, what's called spade spade? You know, there is a mechanism in the U.S. Constitution to close businesses for the greater good. However, you're also supposed to compensate me for doing that. Sure. Um, and that is a natural check because, of course, if they got to close all these businesses, they might start getting a little more specific about which businesses need to close and which ones don't, right? right. If it's going to cost them money. So anyways, you know, long story short, I agree with you in the sense that people haven't been enforcing the Constitution, but that once again comes down to people being involved. I just, I don't think our system of government was ever built to have this level of people that just don't participate. They don't participate in the primaries. They don't participate in the general. They don't pay attention. I mean, we do these change my mind things and tabling things at universities and we'll be like, Hey, what's your opinion on Andy Bashir? And they're like, I have no opinion. I'm like, I hope to God you do not vote. <laughs> like you should have some opinion if you're going to vote in the state on the governor. Well, I'm, I'm of the opinion that tar and feathers have done a lot more to limit federal government in, in history. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay, make, listen, make politicians birds again. Hey, Hey, all I'm saying is, is I can only get on board with that until we've exhausted all other things. And you can't tell me we've exhausted all other options when we got guys out here looking at you, Boogaloo boys. Uh, <laughs> Listen, the American Revolution took place over 200 years ago. When, when is enough enough? You know what I mean? No, no. Here's my point. Here's my point, okay? I'm on board if these guys wearing $6,000 kits can look me in the eye and say they've ever maxed out to a political candidate they wanted to win. Sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I find it hard. And that's the thing, too. And people are like, yeah, we're going to revolt. I'm like, you guys don't even show up to primaries. Like, <laughs> you think you're going to show up on the day of the war? Like, you're staying home like you did during the primary. Yeah. Shut up. Some, some, <laughs> some boogs are cool, man. Some of them, I'm like, yo, man, your plates are supposed to be a lot higher than that. Uh, you're freaking right. me out. You know what I mean? Uh, but anyways, uh, before we go, dude, I got a, ch I got a, a chat. It looks like somebody trying to clear up in the, in the YouTube chat what you were saying about him leaving due to cost, uh, but he left because he was pushed out by other petitioners. I don't know if there's any truth to that. Um, the others refused to communicate with me and tried to make me sign a blank page response to the government. Is that true? Like I said, uh, the issue was not him leaving. The issue was what he said in his leaving. The, I like I, And I said that many times. Sure. I don't care that he pulled out. I cared about what he said when he pulled out. Gotcha. You know, if you're going to sit there and say... Oh, I mean, if you want, I can read it out loud. Do you want me to read it out loud? Is it long? It's not that long. I can read it out it sounds, loud, though. It sounds like it might be long. It's not that long. Okay. I can read it out loud. Do you want me to read it out loud? Sure. I mean, if you want to. Okay. I'll I'll read it out loud for you guys. Okay. Um. But no, I. You know, like I said, we all have our disagreements from time to time. But it's um. Is this the is this the one that was sent by the lawyer? Or the one that's no, this notarized. Is the one he, I'll read. I'll read the one that he signed and uh, notarized. Okay. And you can find this on lrclegislative.ky.gov. Just go to the special committee under impeachment meeting materials. As long as as long um, as it's the one that's signed and notarized. 
It will be the one I don't, that is. I usually don't care about like uh, you know private chats between lawyers. So no, if, no, if, no, no, no. This is the one that's signed a notary. Well, the the one was sent to the governor, but okay. Having consulted with counsel, petitioners of the opinion that respondent Governor Bashir acted under the color of the laws matter set forth in petition. While citizens remain free to approve or disprove policy decisions made by the governor, the election process in and of itself is adequate and plenary remedy by which the citizens of the Commonwealth may generally resolve policy differences with their elected officials. Having reviewed the law with the council, petitioners of the opinion that impeachment is an extraordinary remedy reserved for cases where an elected official commits illegal, fraudulent, corrupt, sedacious acts, having reviewed the pleadings of the council, petitioner is of the opinion this instance is not of that nature, having reviewed all pleadings with counsel petitioners of the opinion that election process adequately protests the interest, protects the interests of the people in this instance, having reviewed the pleadings of the counsel petitioners of the opinion the governor has obeyed court rulings, petitioner wishes to dissociate from any harsh, disrespectful language directed towards the governor, the Supreme Court of Kentucky, or the General Assembly, and any pleadings filed in his name, he wishes to dissociate from any personal attacks as they may appear, especially those intended to cause the governor to be personally distressed. Personal attacks have no place in government process. Petitioners, in short, simply and respectfully disagrees with several policy decisions made by the governor. He also respectfully disagrees with the Kentucky Supreme Court's reasoning in the case of Bashir v. Acri. He hopes the General Assembly will appropriately act within its scope of authority to address the legal issues set forth in that opinion. He, however upon consulting with counsel does not view the policy agreements as grounds for impeachment and that was signed and notarized. Hmm. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to need to read the uh the laws of impeachment for you for for Kentucky because I really don't know. I really don't know, you know. Well, the laws of impeachment are basically whatever the general assembly decides they want to impeach for. Of course it is. Uh they can impeach, I'm shocked. you know. I mean, if you sneeze the wrong way, they could technically impeach you. If they, you know, they just that's it. So, I mean, you know, the point is is just you know, you signed on saying, hey, he broke the Constitution. And then, you know, there's something different to say. I, I wish if he just sent, hey, I wish the withdrawal off this. That's one thing. But I don't know. It just. So do you think you'll ever bury the hatchet with the Libertarian Party? I have plenty of people I work with in the Libertarian Party. Okay. I have plenty of people I work with in the Libertarian Party. Listen, I just want to get liberty done. Right. And I mean, you know, keep in mind here in Kentucky, too, we're a straight ticket state. I mean, you know, the chances of a libertarian getting elected at state legislative level, state legislative level is incredibly low because of that, right? Sure. Just simply. Um, for those who don't know, that means you walk in, you hit D, you hit R, and you walk out. Um, on top of that, on top of that, um, you know, for those who are unaware of the way state legislators work, you got to get like 10 House reps in there to really make an actual difference. Sure. And so, you know, and, and this isn't a new thing. I mean, Ron Paul, Rand Paul, Amash, Massey. I mean, it's not a new thing for liberty people that maybe would normally be more aligned with the libertarian party to be Republicans. Um, especially when it comes to working and, and getting in office. Because, you know, quite frankly, you can't affect legislative change if they have no reason to listen to you. And if you don't have a libertarian elector elected you're in a straight ticket state where the chances to win are slim and you don't even participate in their primaries 
and you got and you're talking to a Republican House rep that won by 80 percent of the vote last race, oh, wow. you know, and you don't even partake in the primary. So it's not like you could challenge him. Why would he listen to you? True. You know, and it's hard. I think that. I think that, I think that from from the national point of view, we're we're uh, we're doing some really good things to start targeting legislator races. That's how we started winning legislator races finally. Sure. Uh, sure. At, since you know, for the first time since the seventies. Well, you guys got two, right? Yeah, two, both in Wyoming, but we both in Wyoming. Yeah. But, well, is Wyoming a straight ticket state? I don't think it is. It's right? not, but we have, but we have a we have a new program called the Frontier Program that's essentially targeting races that we can win and yeah. dumping a little bit of extra capital into them and got a really good, which, good which guy makes sense. Listen, it. that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. And, and targeting those races is important. And listen, I'm not saying the Libertarian Party doesn't have opportunities in nonpartisan races in Kentucky. They absolutely do. True. Um, I think they should focus on those races. And I'm not even against um, situations where I, I could see myself helping out a Liberty person that I agree with that maybe identifies as an L instead of an R <laughs> that's running in a nonpartisan race and helping them out. That's, that's really not an issue for me. And I don't, I don't foresee me being unable to bury the hatchet ever. It's, it's buried as far as I'm concerned, um, with working with the people I work with, Cool, you know, <laughs> so Good you, know, you can call me. Good. You can call me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. But uh, no, it's great. It's great. It's great to hear, man. I, you know, I, I'm of the mind that we need to attack liberty from every angle we possibly can. Right. Uh, it's why I even work in politics because I'm not a big, I'm not a politics guy. You know what I mean? I think I would like to see the end of politics, uh, but I work in the political aspect because I see it as another tool to to roll back the state where I can. Um, I also sure. think that the counter economy is a good idea. I also think that crypto is a good idea. There's all kinds of different angles. So I get it. You're not gonna, yeah. you know what I mean. I'm not going to argue with you and, and say that there's no way. But um, one second, I want to give a shout out to Reed Co uh, Coverdale, Will J, my mama, and John Chow for the super chats before we start heading out. What's next for you, man? What are you doing? What are you doing next? So you know, obviously, we're leading protests. We're kind of tearing that up, but um, you know, we've had the opportunity. We're we're growing quite a platform, um, and a platform that's holding government accountable. So we're actually making a move to some larger kind of offices for us to do kind of um, not just legislative work out of as far as, you know, writing bills, getting bills passed, um, but also to as well research into things that are going on. Like for an example, uh, we have a Fayette County school board person here that's here in Lexington that's a member of the school board, like the elected board, uh, that is also a member of the National Teachers Union Board. Um, and that seems like a conflict of interest to me. Yeah. But... Um, you know, you can't have the guy that signs the contract sitting on the board that also negotiates from the other side the contracts. Um, you shouldn't have teachers unions at all. But, you know, things like that where we're digging into that, getting people activated, paying attention, getting involved into important races thing. You know, uh, we're definitely pushing there as well. Um, you know, we're trying to we're coalescing a lot of different liberty groups here in Kentucky. Um, I, I think our network now has probably about 4,000, 5,000 very active people. I mean, in one day they had one bill that was terrible in Lexington that they proposed. And in one day we got 28,000 phone calls and emails into the legislator to tell them to not pass that bill. True. Um, you know, so we've got a large network and, and we're working on coalescing behind getting some good, um, Liberty people in office, primarying out some of these terrible Republicans. Um, and there's a lot of bad ones in Kentucky, clearly, because it's a red state, but yet I still have to wear a mask on my face every day. Uh, well, I don't, but, you know, people who follow those things do. 
Yeah, I'm lucky to live in Iowa, man. They just don't give a shit here at all. So yeah, no, no, I, I stopped giving a shit personally a long time ago. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's, you know, like I said, there's definitely a movement of civil disobedience in Kentucky that is growing very quickly. Um, so yeah, I mean, just continue pushing nationally and, and statewide on liberty things. Like I said, I mean, we do liberty events here locally, like a local coffee shop holding a liberty event. People would pay ten bucks to get in, but it came with your food, right? So you got like a, it was a luncheon. So you got food with it. And it's all about, you know, how to get bills passed, how to get liberty legislation done. And we had over a hundred people show up to that. And that's just like a local coffee shop hosting it. And, you know, and, and those are the local people. I had people contact me being like, come do one in, in, in this part of the state, that part of the state, that part of the state. So, you know, I think there's several, uh, there's a lot of opportunities to get liberty really done here in Kentucky. And I definitely hope to be, you know, a part of that. Sure. Absolutely, man. Where can people find you at, Andrew? Uh, well, you know, Brood on the Facebooks, Brood Lex on the Twitters and the Instagrams. <laughs> and then BroodCo.com, B-R-E-W-E-D-C-O.com. You can also go to shop.broodco.com. Um, if I didn't piss you off today, you can go to donate.broodco.com and be like, I'm giving that guy money right there. I like that guy's tenacity. Uh, but you know, such as such. Well, you're obviously very educated on the issues in Kentucky, man. I, I definitely appreciate you. Uh, have you ever tried Italian coffee before? Uh, I mean, yeah, I've tried Italian coffee. It's, it's Italian, Italian roast, you know, it's, Dude, it's not so bad. Lorenzotti.coffee, man. You know, if you ever, I, hey, you ever need I heard it. you talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> it's good I'm stuff. Not here, I know. I'm not telling you not yeah. to go buy that. So buy that stuff. Buy our, buy all the coffee in the world you want. Do you guys do online sales? You guys do online sales too? Yeah, we do online sales. We also have an affiliate program, Josh. If you're, oh, I'm sure <laughs> you do. I'm that, sure uh, you do. That, I hope that, that I hope my I hope my Italian buddies are hearing this, man. I hope you're hearing this. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, 30 day cookies, 10 percent, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Hey, hey, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was it was great great talking with you. Like I said, I, I hope you guys keep fighting for liberty there in, in Kentucky. You definitely have. Have a, a huge dickhead for a governor that needs to be uh, taken down a couple notches. So I hope you guys get that done, brother. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely, brother. Have a good one. All right, guys. Episode 20 in the books. 20 episodes. My God. Uh, like eight weeks ago, I was like, man, I hope I can get through five. And now we're at 20. So um, let's see what we got coming up for the rest of the week. We got tomorrow. We got Dave Casey from uh, Dave and Goliath. Uh, podcast if you guys are not checking out Dave versus Goliath show it's probably it's way more entertaining than my show there's no doubt about it it's amazing he's amazing you definitely need to check his show out and then of course Friday we have the great Phil Labonte singer of all the remains uh hardcore libertarian uh doesn't give a shit I'm excited to have him on the show um unfortunately for you guys that will be a pre-recorded show was the only time I could get it done uh, was tomorrow after the uh, Dave Casey show. So that one will go live, sort of. Um, it'll premiere on Friday at the same time we usually do the live show. Please check out those shows. Guys, I have a Patreon. I know you know this. I, I spam the chat with it. Uh, I posted it on, on Twitter several times. If you guys could please go to Break the Cycle JS, patreon.com backslash uh, Break the Cycle JS. Sign up for the Patreon, whether it's the $3 a month, it doesn't matter, uh, and get yourself into a cool Discord server with a lot of really cool people. You can also get yourself some really good swag, uh, a couple different perks, 
Uh, I know the join option for uh, memberships will be going live on my YouTube shortly. Uh, that'll get you like cool badges and different things in the chat. So all you chatters, I know you're excited about that. Um, go check out Lorenzotti.coffee for all your Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Uh, Toplobster.com. For all your graphic needs, the man is amazing. He's hand-drawing this stuff for you and giving you a great price. And I'll even get you a 10% discount if you drop BTC at checkout. Of course, Anthem Planning. Uh, I love these guys. I'm a big fan. Definitely check out AnthemPlanning.com for emergency and crisis planning. They are amazing. Um, Yeah, man. Good show. It's been a good couple weeks. I really appreciate you guys. Definitely, definitely come back tomorrow to check out the episode with Dave Casey. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. He's one of my favorite guys in the movement. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle. Due to legal reasons, I just have to explain. The lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the person refrain. But I just stand in Minecraft. The helicopter part was reference to GTA 5 and the things you do so any violence you commit I am not an excuse because I just banned it in Minecraft Lord Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold accusations of incitement getting totally old make your own choices yeah you have control because I just banned it in Minecraft Obviously, I would never advocate force Unless there's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft There's nothing I mean, you know it No product, it is, gets it close to COVID